0: Father, we are thankful that you are worthy to be praised, that the very best worship we can offer to you, you are worthy of it, but so much more. And Father, I pray as we continue our worship today, as we open up your word, we would ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us from it. Father, I would invite you for my life and for the life of every person in this room, every person who who may be worshiping with us online. We invite your Holy Spirit at this moment to convict us of our sin, to challenge us in our faith, and to transform us into the image of Jesus. In his good name we pray, amen. And amen. I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word and open with me to the book of Acts, the book of Acts. That's there in your the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you get our outside the Gospels to the book of Acts. We are going to begin a series today that I've called "Sent," uh, and, and we're going to spend some some time working through some of this book of uh, the book of Acts. And this morning, I simply want us to think about the idea, let's get moving. And, and I hope that that title will sink into our minds and our hearts a little bit better as we work through this text, and as we think about what God might be saying to us through this text, as we think about let's get moving, to get going in a certain direction. You know, if you were to ask uh, someone what the definition of a church was, you would get numerous answers. In fact, they say that uh, for every three Baptists in a room, there are nine opinions on the same subject. So if you were to ask even in this room, uh, you would get varied answers and maybe multiple answers from the same person. A lot of those answers I want you to know would be a far cry from how the first followers of Jesus would define and describe the church. In fact, if you understand some things about our Bible, the English Bibles that we have are translations from other languages, and the New Testament was primarily written in Greek, and as we look at it in its original language, there is a word in the Greek that is used for church, and this is important to get to the outset, <clears throat> that word is called ecclesia. and that word literally means an assembly or a gathering of a people or Around an idea, it comes from from the word "ek" out of, and "kaleo" called out. You could say then that in the New Testament, when the word "church" is used, an ecclesia is an assembly of people who have been called out around an idea. Now, that's important. It's important to see that the idea of being called out demands. Movement. You cannot be called out unless you move out. It demands movement in our lives. The book of Acts is a book that shows us the. First Church as a movement, not uh, uh, not something that stayed stagnant, but as a movement that was built around certain convictions and commitments. The Book of Acts is a book about followers of Jesus being sent into the world with the greatest message the world has ever heard: the gospel. Tragically. Tragically, the church has drifted from its origins. Instead of being in a mode of movement, the church today is in a mode of maintenance. Instead of being sent, we are content to simply sit. And tragically, In most contexts today, a church is viewed as a place that you attend, or an event that you sit through instead of a movement in which you are involved. Somewhere along the way, the church has become an institution that provides services to the people who are members of it. And somewhere along the way, we have stopped moving outward. And instead of being characterized by movement, the church is now characterized By its monuments. This is nothing new. In fact, out of the 2,000 years of recorded church history, 1,500 at least of those years have struggled with how to get into movement mode and out of maintenance mode. Remember that whole thing, if you uh, studied, even in, in, in high school, if you studied in history, they may have talked about a Protestant Reformation. That was about getting out of maintenance mode and getting into movement mode. You see, the danger, listen, the danger of every church in every age The danger and the temptation that faces First Baptist Church of Milton, our danger is that we will settle into maintenance mode where we focus on sitting instead of being a movement mode where we focus on being sent. And my question to you this morning is simply this. Is this church a place you attend, or is it a movement in which you are personally involved? Are you content to sit and keep the focus inward on yourself and the people who are already here, or do you desire to embrace the truth that you have been sent outward to invite people to join the kingdom of God? Nowhere in Scripture have we been called to sit, but everywhere in Scripture we have been called to be sent. In fact, Jesus said these words in John chapter 20 and verse 21. Jesus said, just like the Father sent me into this world, even so I'm sending you, my followers, my church, I'm sending you into the world. Let the truth of that verse, and those are red letters, okay? That's the words of Jesus, that just as he was sent by his Father to come to this earth, so he's sending us out into this world for the very same purpose for which he came. So we're going to spend a significant amount of time in our summer and maybe even into our fall working through the book of Acts, understanding this idea that we have been sent. And so today, let's go back to the very beginning of the church and let's see how God used them as a movement by being sent into the world with the gospel today I want to challenge you I want to challenge myself to get to moving again let's look at Acts chapter 1 in the first book O Theophilus I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up after he had given commands to the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. He's not telling him to sit. He's telling him to wait. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. I'm going to call you out in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. They cannot get from Jerusalem to Samaria. To Judea, to the the earth. They can't get there unless they move. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, Two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, this very same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is where it all began. This is where Jesus reminds his followers that they are sent into Jerusalem, into Judea, into Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Let me ask you this. Do you think it worked? Did that plan work? Did they fulfill the mission? Did these apostles refuse to sit, and instead, did they move into being sent? Let's answer that question. Where are you right now? You're in a church. You're gathering to worship. Guess what? The plan worked. (laughs) These men got up and they were sent. And we are here today because they were sent. Imagine what would have happened if Peter said, you know what? I think we should just hunker down and do ministry only. What if John had said, you know what? I think we ought to See, there's 12 of us. That means we have to have 24 committees. So let's form some committees and just stay. What would have happened if they'd stayed in the room and just looked at each other inwardly? We wouldn't be here today. Yeah, the plan worked. God's calling to them worked. God's plan always works because they got to moving. I want to share with you from this text this morning three reasons why they got to moving, three truths that compelled them to move. And if you, I promise, if you will latch on to these three truths, you'll get to moving as well. Ready? Doesn't matter. We're still going to do it. First is this. Number one, they were consumed with the message of Jesus. These apostles, (laughs) as Acts opens up, they were consumed by the message of Jesus. The language of Luke in verse 3 lets us know that these disciples believed that Jesus was the Savior who suffered for us so that we could belong to his kingdom. They knew that Jesus was not just some other religious prophet with some other religious message. They believed that Jesus was God himself, sent himself to this world on a rescue mission to save us. They believed that the message of Jesus was one of suffering and death. That's why it says in verse 3, after his suffering, they believed that Jesus was crucified because we are rebellious people who would rather run our own lives than submit to the authority of God. But in one of the greatest ironies ever to come into the face of this earth. The sacrificial death of Jesus was the payment that God accepted for the penalty of our sins if we would receive Jesus. They believed. This message that Jesus had risen from the dead appearing to them, verse 3, over 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God, they believed it because they had witnessed it with their own eyes. The message of Jesus was... And is the most important message the world will ever hear because this message of Jesus, this message of the gospel is our only hope of salvation. I know this is not popular, but I have never been interested in being popular. I know this one will not win preaching awards, but that's all right too because I just throw them away if I got one. There are not multiple ways to get to God. If there were, God would not have put his son on the cross. When Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, Father, if it's possible for this plan to be accomplished, if it's possible, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. If there were other ways, why didn't God say, hey, there are other ways. Let's just let people be good enough and try hard enough and and hope that the good outweighs the bad. And if it does, I'll accept them. No, Jesus said that he was the way, the truth and life and that no one could get to God the Father unless they went through Jesus Christ and the apostles believed that message Peter believed it so much that he said and we'll get to chapter 4 in about 4 months Uh, (laughs) Peter believed this message so much that he said in Acts chapter 4 there is salvation Nowhere else, for there is no other name under heaven given among among men by which We must be saved. The apostles were consumed with this message. How do I know? Later in Acts, they bring a couple of them before the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin says, if you don't shut up talking about Jesus, if you don't stop talking about what he's done, we're going to kill you. And they responded by saying, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Are you consumed with the message of Jesus? Oh, we're consumed about our favorite sports teams. Oh, we're consumed about what the experts on Fox News and CNN have to say about politics. Oh, we're consumed with having things our way. But are you so consumed with the message of Jesus to the point that you will not shut up about it? They were consumed. And when you get consumed, you got to start moving. You can't be consumed with the message of Jesus and sit still. In fact, one of my pastor friends says a sitting Christian is an oxymoron. There is no such thing. These disciples, these apostles got to move in. Because they were consumed with the message of Jesus. Number two, they were committed to the mission of Jesus. Oh, they were consumed with that message. And they were committed to that mission. The apostles saw firsthand the beginning of the mission of God. And they were committed to continuing it. Look look, look back in verse 1. It says in verse 1, in the first book. The first book is Luke. Okay, Luke, the physician, Dr. Luke, is the guy who wrote Acts. He's also the guy who wrote the gospel that bears his name. Luke and Acts are actually a two-volume set written by the same author. Written to this guy named Theophilus, who was a skeptic to whom Luke is writing these books. And notice that verse 1 says, All that Jesus began, that Jesus began to do and to teach. The word began implies continuation. You begin something, it must continue. It's not that in Luke's gospel, Jesus worked, and now in Acts, the church works. Rather, Jesus worked in his physical body in the gospel of Luke, and now in Acts, he's working through his spiritual body, the church. Understand, this is important. Jesus has not invited the church to do the mission for him. Jesus has invited the church to do the mission through him. Jesus has not invited you to do the mission independent of him. Jesus has sent you so that he can work through you and you can work alongside of him. Did you notice the Holy Spirit that he mentioned in verse 8? The apostles were to wait for the Holy Spirit. Listen, because it's the Holy Spirit who will continue the mission of Jesus through them, and through the church. Jesus is trying to show them that this is not something they can do for him. This is something he will do through them. Y'all missed a chance right there. I'm going to repeat just to jot it down in your mind. Jesus is not concerned about something they can do for him. He's wanting to do something through them. In fact, that verse 8, now y'all been pretty quiet this morning, which means my sermon gets a lot longer, okay? <laughs> That's the rule. The quieter you are, the longer the sermon is. And I mean, I know guys who preach 45-minute sermons on Acts 1-1, so I can do it. I want to ask you to do something. Let's go back to verse eight, and every time it's going to be on the screen to help you. Yep, there it is. Every time it says you in verse eight, I want you to insert your, your your name, your first name, out loud, not silently. I mean, you're not going to go, you're not going to invite the devil or Beetlejuice in here. It's fine, but this is a promise to you. But Jonathan, let's go. Ready? But Jonathan will receive power when the Holy Spirit will back up. Y'all are stinking this right now. Mm, 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 mm. You think I'm playing? I can stay here all afternoon. All together, you put your name where it says your name. Everybody know their name? All right, all right, we should be able to do this. But Jonathan will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon Jonathan, and Jonathan will be my witness. That's exactly what that verse is saying. It is a verse about you. That's how personal this promise is. I don't have what it takes, you say. Yes, you do. You have the Spirit of God within you. Oh, it makes me uncomfortable. I agree. Someone has said that sharing the gospel are two awkward people talking to each other. I agree. But you have the Spirit of God who is greater than your level of insecurity. Oh, preacher, it's not my gift. Sure, there are some people. Catherine Tolbert could go to a chicken house and share the gospel and win chickens to Jesus, Okay. There there are some people who have that knack, they have that ability to tell people about Jesus, but you cannot say it's not my gift. Sharing the gospel is not a gift given to the few, it is a mission given to everybody. And so if you aren't doing it, you are in sin. Plain and simple. All those excuses aside we have the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit the only thing this church this church doesn't need a pastor to accomplish its mission. This church doesn't need an associate pastor or a student minister or a children's minister or, or or a youth minister or a worship minister to accomplish its mission. This church doesn't need 55 plus ministry to accomplish its mission. This church doesn't need deacons to accomplish its mission. This church doesn't need the choir to accomplish its mission. The only thing this church needs to do what God's called us to do is the Spirit of God. And so if it's not being accomplished in your life and if you don't think it's being accomplished in your church's life Don't complain about anybody but you. Because that Holy Spirit is empowering me. And if I'm not a witness, that is my fault. The church in Acts, they didn't have a fellowship hall to eat in. I think it probably came pretty quick, though, as a pretty high priority. (laughs) All they had was the Spirit of God. If you discover the cure for cancer, you would tweet about it. You'd post it on Facebook. You'd video it for TikTok. You'd post it to Instagram. You would get up on the top of this church. You'd stand up on the top of your house and you would yell it so the whole world could hear it. My friend, you and I may not know the cure for cancer that can only kill the body, but we know the cure for sin that will kill the body and the soul. Why are we not telling people about Jesus? You want to get to moving? Get committed to the mission of Jesus. List me all the excuses you want. It comes down to this. Do you really want to see other people come to know Jesus? If you do, you'll stop sitting. And you'll get to moving. Because you will realize that you were sent. These apostles did that because they were consumed with that message. And they were committed to that mission. Number three, they were convinced. They were convinced of the return of Jesus. Verse 10. While they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This same Jesus, this Jesus who was taken up from you will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. We are talking about being sent by Jesus. Jesus himself knew a thing or two about being sent. Say so there are two different scenarios when it comes to Jesus being sent. One's already occurred and one has yet to occur. Jesus was sent from heaven to earth, born in a manger, grew to be a man who knew no sin but who was made sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. The word of God became flesh and he dwelt among us. Our text discusses his ascension when he left this earth to return to heaven where he currently sits at the right hand of his father and among many other things that he's doing, he is interceding for us as we pray. One day, Jesus is going to be sent again. He's going to return to this earth one more time. But this time, the next time he is sent, he is not coming as a savior, he is coming as a judge. He will not bring with him salvation, but he will bring with him justice. He will not be sent the next time as the prince of peace, But he will be sent as a warrior who will correct every injustice and right every wrong. My friend, every person in this room, every person listening to this, wherever you are in the world today, you must meet Jesus and you must meet him either as a savior or as a judge. You must meet him either in receiving eternal life and salvation or eternal condemnation. Nation in judgment. So if you must meet him anyway, why not meet him today as Savior? Because he's going to return one more time as judge. My Christian friend, if you are really convinced of this truth, if you really believe That one day Jesus is going to return. That truth will get you to moving. You'll stop sitting around waiting for the glory train to stop by and take you to heaven. And you will get busy being the hands and feet of Jesus. Sharing with others the greatest message the world has ever heard. As you continue the mission that Jesus has started, I'm asking you, Christian, to stop sitting and start moving. Because the church was never designed by God to be a spot where we gather for an hour or two a week and look at ourselves. It was designed to be a movement of God that after it gathers to worship goes into the world consumed with the message of Jesus committed to the mission of Jesus and convinced that Jesus is going to return one day. I'm going to ask you this morning, right where you are, if you would, just bow your head. Bow your head and close your eyes just for a second. In just a few minutes, we're going to pray, and after we pray, we're going to stand and sing. You may be here this morning, and you have not met Jesus as Savior. As I just said, you're going to meet him. You will meet him one day. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. He would love to meet you today as Savior. As you confess your sin to him, as you repent in prayer, as best you know how to talk to God right where you are. Or you may need to talk to someone about that. You may have questions about that. You may have made that decision already in this service. If you need to talk to someone, if you need to share with someone the decision that you've made to do that, don't be afraid to walk down this aisle and say, Pastor, I've got a question. Or, Pastor, can you can you help me understand what it means to make Jesus my Lord? Pastor, what do I say when I need to pray and ask Jesus to be my Lord and Savior? I'll be glad to help you walk through that. Our associate pastor, Dr. Jackson, will be glad to help you walk through that. These deacons we have in this room will be glad to help walk you through that. These Men and women who love Jesus in this room will be glad to help you walk through that. And then I want to speak to you who've already done that in your life. I share this message from my heart. And even though there may have been a little yelling, I promise you I'm not mad. I just want us to be as consumed with God's message of the gospel as these first apostles were. And I want us to do what God's called us to do. Maybe the spirit of God has convicted you that you've been sitting. And all this is, is an opportunity for you on Sundays to come and to gather and to say that you've been to church and to mark something off your spiritual to-do list. May I ask you to just try it out, just try Moving with the Spirit of God. Watch where He takes you. Watch what He does through you. I promise you, moving with God's Spirit honors God. Sitting on a pew on Sunday without being sent—it's just an exercise in sitting. Let's get to moving this morning. Father God, would you move upon every heart in this room, the hearts of those that have yet to trust you as their Lord and Savior, would you move in their heart as your Holy Spirit brings conviction and would they then respond by moving out of their sin and moving into a relationship with you by your grace. And Father, for those of us who have made that decision in the past, It can be tempting for us to get out our spiritual recliners and just sit around and wait until we go home to heaven. But you've called us to so much more. You have not called us to honor monuments in a church, but to be a movement. You've not called us to sit on a pew. You've called us to be sent. We're here today because these apostles did just that. 100, 200, 300, 500 years from now if you delay your coming. May there be people in this area who gather to worship because this church stopped sitting and we lived sent. Have your way in our lives today. May we simply say yes to what you're asking us to do. In Jesus' good name I pray it.